0: Amen. Amen. Come on. Can we clap our hands and can we praise our God today? Bow your heads with me and whisper words of prayer. Our God and our Father, how we do love you and thank you. Lord, how we declare that, Lord, our lives are yours, that, God, we are yours because we were fashioned in your image. And every breath that we take is the breath of life that was breathed into our body. So, Father, that's our declaration to you today, Lord, is that we give ourselves away to you. God, and it's the best thing that we ever could do because, Father, putting our lives in your hands for your service is something that is satisfying to the soul. So, Lord, I pray that that would be our heart's posture. I pray that that would be our mindset as we go forward. Now, Father God, we approach your holy word, and we pray that, Father, you would help us to worship you by listening. To honor you, Father, by giving our full and undivided attention to what you would have to say to us today. God, speak to our hearts. We pray that simple prayer, that that boy prayed there in the scripture, Lord, speak, for your servants are indeed listening. Father, now I pray for myself. I pray that you would give me clarity of thought, precision of speech, that you would help me to accurately articulate the deep treasures of your word. I pray, Lord, you would breathe, breathe upon me, Lord, pour fresh oil on me so I can preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that when our time has concluded, I pray that no humanity, no person would be glorified other than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we ask this all by faith in the sufficient and righteous name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, we do pray. And all of us together today said amen. 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 Come on, one more time. Can we give God our praise today? Can we thank God? (laughs) Amen listen today we're going to conclude um, our series that we've been engaging in together leaning into uh, this sanctuary five this series we've called bearing witness and today we're going to talk about um, this last principle this last tenet of this church y'all my middle child Simone uh, will often borrow something or Ask Zoe, my oldest child, to play with one of her toys or something that she's particularly interested in. And Simone's got a way of immediately forgetting that what Zoe let her borrow isn't hers. So that so much so that when it's time for her to give it back to Zoe, she'll cry and scream and kick because she's upset that she has to give back to Zoe what Zoe let her borrow in the first place. Y'all that's fine for now because Simone is only two years old. She's a baby. But it points to a deeper issue that we perhaps have at times in the church that we have a lot of baby Christians. Who often seem to forget that what we have has been given to us by God in the first place. So much so that when we are called to lean into the reality that God calls us to give back a portion of what he gave in the first place, many of us at times can kick, scream, and cry that god has asked for us to give back to him what is his in the first place brothers and sisters the reality is as we lean into this last tenet brothers and sisters giving is a part of stewardship it's not the whole thing but it's a part of stewardship giving is a part of stewardship stewardship Is that reality that I am called to properly manage everything that I have. And proper biblical stewardship, watch this, is rooted in the reality that I am only the manager of what I have. But somebody else owns it. Brothers and sisters, I want to lean into that reality today. To push and beckon us in What may seem like an obscure kind of way to talk about giving, but it is ultimately to remind you and I that what you have isn't yours in the first place. That you have simply been called to manage it, but God is the owner. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 is what I want to call your attention to. It reads like this in my Bible. It says, be careful. That you don't forget that the Lord your God, that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances and statues that I am giving to you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases. Watch this. Be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the place of slavery he led you through the great and terrible wilderness with poisonous snakes and scorpions a thirsty land where there was no water he brought water out of the flint rock for you He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your ancestors had not known, in order to humble and test you so that in the end he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power, my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow in worship to them, I testify against you today that you shall certainly perish. Like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you, you will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. I want to preach today with the Lord's help in your prayers from this thought. Don't fumble this bag. Don't don't fumble this bag. Do me a favor. Look at your name and say, neighbor. Don't fumble this bag. I got you. Y'all, in the last several years, a popular phrase around making money or having money has emerged. The phrase is secure the bag. Y'all, a bag, it's a cultural reference or a slang term, if you will, for wealth or a large sum of money. So to say that someone has secured the bag is to say that they're making some good money. That they've, they've done something to increase their financial resources. To say that someone is making a bag is to say that they're doing all right for themselves they perhaps acquired that high-paying position, they have secured that contract, or perhaps they won that lottery that was 1.9 or some billion dollars. It's to say that they're doing well for themselves. Another phrase has emerged, though, in conjunction with that phrase, securing the bag, it's the phrase, fumbling the bag. Um, to fumble a bag is to suggest that someone did something to mess up their money. That they did something to cost themselves the resources perhaps that they were getting ready to acquire or lean into. NBA player Dennis Schrouder, some years ago was reportedly offered a $89 million extension by the Los Angeles Lakers. But he wanted more apparently so much so that he overplayed his position and overestimated perhaps his value and apparently turned down the offer. Only for him to discover that the free market he was going to test would not be kind to him and he would end up signing that season only for a $2.9 million one-year contract with another team. Y'all, he fumbled the bag. (laughs) He could have had $89 million and an extension for multiple years, but instead settled for a one-year contract, only making $2.9 million. And I would have loved to make that $2.9 million myself. But in comparison to what he could have made, he fumbled the bag, y'all. And brothers and sisters, I want to suggest to you and I that many times we as believers... Fumble the bags of blessings that God gives to us by forgetting where they came from in the first place. The reality is the surest way to mismanage and then lose the blessings that God has given to you is by forgetting that it was God who gave them to you in the first place at all. And brothers and sisters, I want to suggest to you That this is what old Pastor Moses is in a lot of ways cautioning against and trying to help the people of Israel not do. He's trying to make sure that they don't fumble the bag that God is about to give them. The book of Deuteronomy, brothers and sisters, is literally in some sense a representing of the law of God to another generation in Israel. The first generation that had received the law of God, the generation that God delivered out of Egypt and into the wilderness. The Bible tells us that that generation has now all died out, having never seen the promised land. Perhaps you don't know the story. They didn't see the promised land that God intended to take them into because they had a Fear in their hearts, but not enough faith in their hearts to trust that God would get them to the place that he said they would that he would lead them. Y'all, I like the way one preacher used to say it. He used to say that they had gotten out of Egypt, but they didn't let Egypt get out of them. And so God says to that generation who did not trust him to lead them into the promised land, fine, I'll let the entire generation pass away and I will take the next generation into the promised land. This is exactly what God does. first generation has all passed away as they have marched in the wilderness for some 40 years. And now God is getting ready to take this next generation into the promised land. But before they go in, Moses sees it necessary to sit them down and remind them of all of the things that God has taught them and shown them and the law that God had given to them. Because Pastor Moses knows that their flourishing in the promised land is dependent upon them remembering what they learned in the wilderness. I wish I had time to lean into that. I would tell somebody in here, brothers and sisters, that you got to know that when God gets ready to shift you from difficult seasons to abundant seasons, that you staying in what God has promised you is dependent upon you remembering what God has taught you. This is what Moses is trying to get them to understand and so here in this text the people of Israel they are being implored to remember the God that has brought them through these difficulties and to remember that everything they are going to have everything that they are going to possess is not a result of their own wit or intellect, or skill, or their own efforts, but everything that they are going to have is a result of the goodness of God. And brothers and sisters, that's what this simple text is ultimately showing you and I. It is a reminder for us that God alone is the source of every financial and other resource that I possess. Brothers and sisters, hear me that the beginning of stewardship is not actually giving. The beginning of true biblical stewardship is understanding ownership. It is understanding that I don't own anything. I'm just the manager of all that I have, and everything that I have has been given to me by God, that the job I have was given to me by God. That the home I own was given to me by God, that the car that I have was given to me by God. And it doesn't matter if you drive a Ferrari or if you drive an old Pontiac, brothers and sisters. Whatever you have is not a result of anything you have done, but it is a result of the God who loved you. That's what this text, brothers and sisters, reminds us of, and it implores us to remember that God is the source of every resource that we possess. And therefore, we are called to manage what we have, not our way, but God's way. Hear me, brothers and sisters, this is a wonderful reminder that he's trying to give to them. He wants them to remember that it is God who brought them through difficult seasons, through a desert season. And so when they walk into their promised land, they are implored that they have to hold on to this reality. And y'all, that's imperative because I don't know if you understand or if you know this or not, but the easiest moments to forget God is actually when things are going good. Here it is, because here it is. Watch this, y'all. The blessing of difficult seasons is that difficult seasons cause you to get on your knees a little bit more. When things are going bad, you get down and you pray a little bit harder. You you are willing to fast sometimes. Talk back to me in here. When things are going well, you show up to church because you're saying, I need a word from the Lord, or I need to be in the presence of God and I need to see Him move in my life. When difficult things are happening, we are more dependent on God. But the burden of blessed seasons is that they will cause you to drift away because everything's going well. You you got a little money in your pocket, and nobody's acting crazy at your job, and the family actually seems to be catching some kind of rhythm. But brothers and sisters, this is why Pastor Moses tells them that before you go into this next season you need to remember that it is God who has been your blesser because if you get in there and you forget then you are in jeopardy of losing all that God has made a way for you to have he says I want you to hold on to God I want you to remember the God who saw you through who navigated you because brothers and sisters watch this remembering how you got it will govern how you use it Remembering how you got it will govern how you use this. And so this is why Moses and this text ultimately shows us the reality that it is God who is the source of every resource that we possess. And therefore, you and I are called to live and manage our resources and our lives God's way because they are God given. You ought to manage them God's way because they are God given given. You ought to manage your life God's way because it is God given. Note what he says when he tells them that they're going to go into the land of, of when they're going to go into that promised land. He says, I want you to keep the statues and the commands that I have given. This is not obviously just about giving, but this is about how they govern their lives, how they engage with other people, how they love other people, that they abstain and walk away and shun from worshiping idol gods or falling into temptation or sin. But I also want to push you and until you that also incorporated in those ordinances ordinances, and those statutes, and those commands is that they are wise and steward well the resources that God has given them and watch this that they give (laughs) now I'm getting to the good stuff watch this part of stewardship all of stewardship is not giving but part of stewardship is giving that you cannot be the steward God has called you to be in your life and with your resources and not give what God has called you to give, brothers and sisters. And I got to tell you that part of the tenets of this church is that we lean into that reality that we are called to be radically generous. And when you are being generous, it's not you being so special or you being so good or you being so benevolent, but it's really just you giving back to God or putting in the hands of God that which he gave you in the first place Hmm. watch this brothers and sisters you and I were called to lean into this reality this stewardship reality understanding that everything we have y'all we're just managers of it and so when God beckons you to give it back he's just asking you to give what he already owns in the first place Um, That when God beckons you to lean into that tithe, which is not the extent of our giving, it's the basement of our giving. He says, that's just you leaning into the reality that you're giving a portion of what I've given to you. Back to me, brothers and sisters. We're called to live and manage the resources that God has given us to conduct our lives. And especially, specifically today in our giving, the way that the scripture calls you and I to do. I want to show you in this text, brothers and sisters, how we are called to do this, or why we are called to do this, and why we should remember and never forget that, watch this, if you are going to prosper in your life, if you are going to experience and and walk in God's best for your life, hear me, friends and sisters, brothers and sisters, it is dependent upon you remembering that it is God who has given you all that you have, and therefore your life ought to be governed in such a way, and even your giving ought to be governed in such a way. Watch this. Um, What do I need to remember about this God um, in my prosperous season? I need to remember, watch this, that God protected me in the wilderness. Um, You need to remember it is God who protected you um, in in the wilderness season. I'm I'm not making it up. Watch it here in the text. Um, Know what he says in verse 12. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else. You have increases. Be careful that your heart does not become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with poisonous snakes and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the Flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna which your ancestors had not known in order to test you, brothers and sisters. Note what the text says. Note what Moses says to them as he sits on the plains of Moab and he looks out over the people of Israel. He wants to remind them that as God is getting ready to do something in your life and shift you to another place, he tells them, I don't want you to forget God brought you out of the wilderness, that God brought you out of Egypt. Brothers and sisters, that that he tells them, You were in a difficult, tight place where you didn't know where things were going to come from. You didn't know where meals were going to come from. You were under oppression and under slavery in Egypt. And I, your God, delivered you out of this thing. And so, brothers and sisters, that's an imperative thing for you and I to remember because maybe you didn't get delivered out of Egypt, but you got delivered out of some other stuff. That was oppressing you and holding you down. You got delivered from some people or some habits or some attitudes that were holding you down and that were keeping you from experiencing God's best for your life. But God, I wish I had a witness in here, but God. Brought you out of it and not because you were so good or lucky or smart, but because he loved you and wanted you to wanted to get you out of it. But that's not just it, y'all. He didn't just take them out of the wilderness but the, or out of Egypt, but the Bible says that he also led them through the wilderness. Y'all, you, you, you must, not, must not understand how difficult the wilderness was. It was a desert, y'all. It was scorching hot in the daytime and freezing cold at the ni- in night. It was a place where resources were scarce, where they didn't know at times where water was going to come from and there was no food for them to hunt and gather on their own. But what does God do? He leads them through the wilderness, y'all. The Bible tells us, I wish I had a witness in here. I wish I had some Bible readers in here, y'all, who got excited, y'all. The Bible tells us that in the scorching heat, he became a pillar of cloud by day. And that in the freezing cold he became a pillar of fire by night one that led them through the wilderness y'all the bible tells us that multiple times that he would bring fresh water from a bitter spring or fresh water from a rock out of nowhere y'all the bible tells us i'm getting happy in my soul y'all that god would provide manna from heaven every day for them y'all you must not know what manna is manna it literally means what is it y'all it's nobody knows what it is this matzah bread but that every single day they would wake up and they would have manna from heaven they would have the food that they needed and maybe that's why Jesus tells us to pray give us this day Our daily bread, because every single day in the wilderness, they learn how to depend on manna from heaven, bread from heaven every single day. Y'all, the Bible tells us that as God led them through the difficulty of the wilderness, that he covered them and he protected them and he provided for them. And whether you know it or not, that's your story, too. That you hadn't always looked as good as you look. You hadn't always had some of the resources that you have. You you had some days where you didn't know where things were gonna come from. Had some days where you had more bills than you had money. Or had some days where you wondered how you were gonna make it. Or if your body was gonna hold up for you to get out of bed to go do what you had to do. But God kept you, (laughs) provided for you, made a way for you, y'all. He saw you through the wilderness. And maybe that's a good word for somebody who you feel like you're in a wilderness season now. Well, somebody in here can testify that God will keep you. God will see you through. That God shall provide every one of your needs, not according to your riches, but according to his riches in glory. He tells them, I want you to remember that God protected you and kept you in the wilderness. But watch this. He tells them, I don't want you to just remember God protects you. And, and kept you in the wilderness, but he says, I want them to also recognize that God did it because he desires for them to prosper. He, he, desires, um, he desires for them to prosper. And noted here in the text, verse 16, he fed you in the wilderness with manner with which your ancestors had not known in order to humble you and test you so that in the end, he might cause you to prosper. Um, brothers and sisters, um, this is not some prosperity gospel. That says that God wants you to have a million dollars. That ain't nowhere in your Bible. I wish it was. But it ain't nowhere in your Bible. But this is to suggest that God is concerned with your human flourishing. I can't tell you up here that God wants you to have a million dollars. I can tell you that God does want you to prosper. He wants you to prosper in your emotions and prosper in your relationships. And he does want you to prosper even in the resources that he gives to you, brothers and sisters. I'm here to tell you that God is on your side. That God wants the best for your life and he wants your life to be a picture and a reflection of his glory. He wants you to do well in life. That God is not just sitting up there and twiddling his thumbs and watching you perhaps struggle or hoping that you just make it on your own. But God's desire for you is that you would have a flourishing life. This is why the people of Israel can be assured of even what Jeremiah says when he says that, he, that God knows the plans. That he has for them plans to what? Prosper them to give them a future, and to give them a hope. And so, brothers and sisters, we got to recognize that God wants you to win in life. He wants you to walk in the blessings that he has for your life. He wants you to stand in the calling that he's given to you and wants your family to be well, brothers and sisters. And so, you got to recognize and remember and hold on to that, that when God calls you to hold on to him when you go into the next season, it's not so that God can control you. It's so that God can Celebrate that your life is prospering as you lean into him. Y'all, here it is. That's the reason that he brought you out. That's the reason that he kept you all this time. I'm here to tell you, God didn't keep you just to watch you go back in the cycle of struggling. God didn't bring you out just so that you could limp your way through life. But I'm here to tell somebody here, God kept you. God brought you out so that he could give the best in your life and get the best out of your life. I'm here to tell somebody that's why you survived when they broke your heart. Because God still has something for your life that he wants to do in your life. I'm here to tell you that's why you didn't go hungry. Because God still has something for your life that he wants to do through your life. I'm here to tell you that's why you made it through that degree. As many times as you cried and you wanted to quit, it's because God wanted to do something in your life and through your life. I'm here to tell somebody that the reason he kept you in the wilderness and brought you out is because his desire is to prosper you in life. To use your life for good and ultimately for his glory. God's got a plan for you. Yes. Here it is. So if you're going to w- prosper in the, in the wilderness or in the promised land, if you're going to stand in all that God has for you, brothers and sisters, you've got to remember God protects you in the wilderness. God also desires for your life to prosper. But also, here is the third thing. You've got to remember that what you have is a fulfillment of God's promises. You've got to realize that as you are blessed and are being blessed, Watch this. Everything you have is a fulfillment of God's promises. No, no, no what he says to them. He says, you may say to yourself, my own power, ability, have gained me this wealth. Listen to the arrogance of our hearts at times. We are all tempted to lean that weight. Look at what I did. I earned this. But he says in verse 18, I want you to remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant. He swore to your ancestors as it is today. Watch this. He says, you may be tempted in your heart to say what I have as a result of me. But he says, it's me that's giving you any energy at all. Yeah. Any power you have at all to go out and to do whatever you think you've done to earn what you have. Um. Let me cut across the field and say it like this. Um, I know you got out of bed this morning or yesterday to go to work. But who opened your eyes? I know you're brilliant. I know you've studied. I know. But who got you into school in the first place? I, I know. I know you You stand and you work harder. You use your hands for, for the money that you get. But who gave you the Activity of your limbs. It is God who has given you the power to even reap from his field or even to sow into his field that which you are reaping at times. And so he reminds them, watch this, and it's not even because of you. I wish I had time. He tells Israel, I'm doing this for you because I made a promise to your ancestors. In fact, the truth is, y'all are hard-hearted people. I wish somebody in here knew their Bible. Israel, he said, they're stiff-necked people. They ain't people that followed followed his laws perfectly or obeyed him or gave him the honor that he was due. And so he says, it ain't because you've been good. It's because I'm so good that I made a promise that I cannot break. And I don't know who I'm talking to in here today, but that's your story too. That, brothers and sisters, you reap the benefits and the blessings of your life, not because you are so good in your character. Because the truth is, come on, talk back to me here. You say some stuff you shouldn't say sometimes. Some four-letter words that ain't Mark, Luke, or John. Come on, you. Talk back to me in here. You, you've laid in some beds that you shouldn't have laid in before. Come on, you've you thought some thoughts you shouldn't have thought before, gone to some sites you shouldn't have gone to before, had some pride in your heart that you knew you shouldn't have had in your heart before. And yet God has still blessed you, has still been kind to you, has still been good to you, not because you've been good, but because God made a promise. And when God makes a promise, God keeps a promise even in spite of us who break our promises to him all the time. I'm so glad my soul done caught on fire. I'm so glad that the blessings God pours in my life and on my life are not a result of my own righteousness or not because I've done everything right, but I'm glad today that I can stand and say I'm blessed and I will be blessed not because of me, but because I got a God who loves me. That I, I got a God who is good and faithful. I got a God who is steadfast. I got a God that is right with me even when I'm wrong to him. You've been blessed because 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 God keeps his promises. (laughs) It is. I got to remember. I got to go. I got to remember. The God who protected me in the wilderness. I got to recognize that God desires the best for my life. I got to remember that what I have is a fulfillment of his promises and not my own righteousness. But here it is. Here's the last thing. If you're going to live, manage your life, your resources well as God has blessed you, here it is. Here's the last thing. You've got to understand. It's a warning. I wish this text ended on a good note. It doesn't. It ends on a warning. That to forget all of those realities will ensure that I will perish. Note it here in the text, um, verse 19, if you ever forget. The Lord your God, and follow other gods to serve them, and bow and worship them. I testify against you that you will certainly perish, like the nations is like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you. You will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. note, note what he says. Um, he says to them that forgetting what God has done inevitably leads us to worshiping false deities. That when I forget what he's done, I lose sight of who he is and chase and look for replacements. When I forget it is God who is provided and protected and does so because of his own good nature and promises, I inevitably begin to erect little false gods in my heart. And brothers and sisters note, he says, that's the surest way to watch the Lord take his hand away. In fact, this is what Israel ultimately is going to do several times. They're going to go through a cycle where they're going to forget their God and they're going to begin to worship other things. And brothers and sisters, watch this. Here it is. You and I, when we forget, we may not erect little gold statues in our houses, but that money becomes an idol in yours. That car becomes your little God. That job becomes your little God. The fantasies that you see on Instagram of other people's lives. That ain't real, by the way. Become little gods. That when you forget what God has done and who God is, you will inevitably begin to erect little idols in your heart and then watch what he says the bible says that that god tells to the people of israel then i will cause you to perish or destroy you like the people i'm getting ready to drive out on your behalf i don't know if you know this or not but god wants to use you to be a light that shines in the darkness there is darkness in the world there are those who those and people and principles who oppose our God and note what the Bible says that God is going to use Israel ultimately to for, to drive them out to depossess them for the land so that they can possess them, possess the land. But he says to them watch this when you forget who I am and begin to worship other gods you put yourself in jeopardy of experiencing the same wrath. That was that they're going to experience. that was never designed for you in the first place. Brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, you and I have got to be careful not to forget what the Lord has done, who the Lord is, and that what we have is from him. Because if we do, we put ourselves in jeopardy of experiencing not the fruitfulness of the promised land, but the frustration of God's wrath. Um, I'm done. Um, third time. <laughs> I'm, I'm a black Baptist preacher. I got to say it three times. All right, I'm done. Dr. Tony Evans um, tells a story about when his son Anthony was younger and he was trying to teach him about the principle of tithing. He gave Anthony a dollar every week. Anthony, I can't do much with a dollar. But for Anthony, in his mind, to make matters worse, he tells, Dr. Evans tells his son, Anthony, God calls for us to give a dime out of every dollar. Anthony has a problem with this. I only got a dollar in the first place. It ain't much I can do. But you want me to give a dime out of that dollar too? Dr. Evans says, Anthony, how did you get that dollar? says, Dad, you gave it to me. Then he says to Anthony, how did I get the dollar? Well, you're a pastor, so people at the church, they give so that you can, ha- so that you can have a salary, and that's, that's how you got the dollar. Cool. How did they get the dollar to give to the church? Well, they went to work. Dr. Evans then starts going down the list of the kind of work that people did at their church. One person was a lawyer who gave them the mind, their sight, their ability to understand and practice law, says God. Another person was a doctor who created the human anatomy that the doctor could even practice medicine on. God One person was a mechanic Who created the materials that the cars are even made of God By the time Dr. Evans gets through running the gambit of occupations And how in every occupation No matter how you trace it You get to a place where they are only able to do what they can do Because God has done what he has done And by the time they get to the end Anthony takes out 15 cents And puts it on the counter If little Anthony Could understand the reality That it is God who owns everything And that he should give God The proper response that God calls for How much more should you and I as adults understand that reality? That God owns it all. And therefore, we should hold none of it back when he asked for it. God owns it all. You're just the manager, and part of managing it well is stewarding your life, Your gifts, your talents, and yes, your finances, God's way. So listen here today, uh, we're going to do something a little different. Um, One of the things I love to tell our church is that when we give, watch this, when the Bible talks about giving, first of all, I need need to clear of misnomers because churches talk about giving all the time or people have heard and here's the thing, a lot of people get all tight when we start talking about it, everybody start fidgeting I saw y'all and let me say this, rightfully so in some ways because there have been some places and some people who have gravely abused the Bible and have gravely abused what God tells us about the principle of stewardship and giving and generosity here's what I can tell you that's not sanctuary that's not my heart, and that's not the heart of Scripture. One thing that I tell our church all the time, and we say it every week: when we give, we give to God. We give through the church. We give for the work of ministry. You're giving, you're not giving. You ain't giving to, You're not giving to me. You're not giving to sanctuary. You're not giving to Pastor Edrin. Giving is a matter of you and God. You give through the church, and watch this, it is the church leadership's responsibility to properly steward what is given. But that's between them and God, and not you. When we give, we give to God, we give through the church. Why do we give? For the work of ministry. Uh, Kaylee, somebody put the slides up here. Here's the thing. When y'all give at sanctuary, um, it's so that (laughs) Hall School, we can engage in partnerships with them. It's so we can do the work of ministry. Go to the next one. When we give here, it's because we got the Haven Food Pantry next door. That every single day is providing matter from heaven for somebody who didn't know where their meal was going to come from. When you give, go to the next one. It's because we seek to be a neighboring community. y'all see them food trucks and them tents that a zucchini y'all see that zucchini right there (laughs) y'all that's our giving at work that's God being the hands and the feet that's us being the hands and feet of Jesus that's your giving at work listen I've been a lot of churches uh served at some churches um Who the resources, frankly, could have been used a little bit differently, and everybody always got an opinion about that. Let me tell you what I I do know about sanctuary. My time hanging out with y'all and being around, here's what I do know: y'all, the resources go toward the work of ministry. So we gotta respond to what God is called to do. All right, everybody, stand up. Come on, Uh, we're gonna do this one thing. I'm gonna encourage y'all to give. Then we gotta go because I'm past my time. Um. I want y'all to do this with me. This We do a giving affirmation at our church every week. Um, and, I, and I asked if I could just kind of transport some of it here too. So I want y'all to, to repeat this giving affirmation with me. Um, and then I want you guys to give. Some of y'all like pastor. I got reoccurring giving. Great. If the Lord, hear me, not out of compulsion. If the Lord is pressing it upon your heart after you've heard today's message, I want you to go above and beyond what you have already set up. Maybe somebody needs to pray. And, and seek the Lord's face. Maybe, like I said, a reoccurring given a long time ago, and it's just been what it is. But you've had increase, but it hadn't increased in what you pour out. And listen, that's no shame. There's no not. But pray about it. Pray as the Lord shall leave you on what you are called to give. All right? All right, y'all repeat after me. Uh, do, do this one first with me. Say, when we give, we give to God through the church for the work of ministry. Now, repeat this affirmation with me. Say, Lord, with a cheerful heart. I give this gift to you, not out of obligation, but in response to your grace. This gift is a declaration that I love you more than money, and I trust you to meet all the needs of my life and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise today? Amen. All right, let me bless you guys as you go. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he bless you and provide every need you have for your life, emotional, spiritual, mental, and financial. May, he move, may the Holy Spirit move upon your heart to seek ways to be radically generous, to give through the church and for the work of ministry. And now unto him, who has given us all things. Who heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Who the earth is his and the fullness thereof. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power now and forever. And all of us that agreed together said, Amen. 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 God bless you. God keep it. Love you guys. See y'all next week.